Blog Talk Radio.
fucking music. Give me a beat. And good evening, everybody, and thank you for choosing King Jordan Radio for Tuesday, December 23rd, 2014. On tonight's edition of King Jordan Radio, we will talk WWE, the year in review. Plus, we'll give you news on TNA as it moves to its new channel um, on the ID Network, well, an affiliate of the ID Network, and it will be live coming up on January 7th from New York City. Also, we'll get into a lot of other stuff that's going around, rumors and whatnot. But for now, let's uh, welcome. He is the man. He is my partner at crime. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one, the only, out of Chicago, Double J, JJ. Good evening, JJ, and welcome to King Jordan Radio for December 23rd as we wrap up 2014. Happy holidays and welcome aboard, brother. Hey, King, uh, great to be on. Happy holidays to you, to our listeners, and to those who celebrate even fictitious holidays. Happy Festivus, if anyone remembers what Festivus is. But, yeah, so much to talk about, the year in review, WWE, the highs and lows, uh, Monday Night Raw, and last week, uh, tribute to the troops, and just other rumors going on, especially with TNA. Uh, lots to get into tonight. No question about it. And uh, 2014 will go down as a lot of uh, a lot of things um, people uh, will remember, uh, especially coming out of that uh, WrestleMania. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, WrestleMania 30, uh, you know, is one of the biggest pay-per-views for the WWE. Obviously, the 30th anniversary of the WrestleMania is huge, and there were some really big, memorable moments, some the fans loved. Daniel Bryan finally winning uh, and getting the world heavyweight title. I mean, everybody wanted that for so many months, and they kept pushing him aside and giving it to other people like John Cena, Randy Orton, and he got pushed aside, pushed aside. The fans had enough. They rebelled, and they really backed Daniel Bryan like I've never seen before. And the fans basically put him in the main event of WrestleMania 30, and he really had this amazing fairy tale uh, story where he won the title and he celebrated. And it was such just a really uh, great moment for him and his career and the fans. Uh, just a great moment. And then the downside would be another memorable moment of WrestleMania 30, and a controversial thing that some fans, you know, liked and some fans, actually a majority of fans, absolutely hated, and that was Brock Lesnar defeating The Undertaker's undefeated streak, something that nobody will ever forget. You loved it, you hate it, most hated it. Not a lot of people uh, like Brock Lesnar, who's barely... Uh, with the WWE, he wrestles a very limited schedule. For him to be the one to defeat Undertaker, a lot of fans were upset by that. But I guess that's what they were going for. They wanted something that would get people talking and emotionally invested. And that's what they got because people 
until to today talk about the Brock Lesnar Undertaker match from WrestleMania 30, and it's still talked about, and it was a, a huge moment for Undertaker and Lesnar huge. and the fans, and everyone remembers that guy who was sitting front row with his eyes bugged out of his head, so it was definitely yes, a even big TMZ WrestleMania. Picks up on it. In yes. fact, let's go back in time. Let's hear some sound from that WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans. Wow, JJ, when you hear that, what comes I mean, what was so amazing about that moment was if you listen to the closing moments and Brock Lesnar hit the F5 on Undertaker, he went for the pinfall and the referee counted one, two, and everyone was expecting Taker to kick out after three and it or before three and it didn't happen. The referee's hand went down and everyone couldn't believe it. In fact if you really listen to that, there was silence. Usually the ring announcer right away said, Oh, the winner of this match by pinfall, Brock Lesnar. But there was a very long pause as if everyone was confused. Everyone was just shocked and surprised and just in complete Ah, I mean, you could hear a pin drop. The fans were quiet. They weren't screaming. They were in disbelief. They could not believe what they had witnessed. And in fact, you could hear, you, uh, a lot of fans to this day still think that maybe it was the referee, you know, screwed up and he, you know, counted the three and he wasn't supposed to. And or Taker, we know, who had a terrible concussion early on in that match. That match 
who Undertaker is always known for having these big, great WrestleManias, especially the uh, past few years with Shawn Michaels, with Triple H, with CM Punk. And this match with Lesnar just felt really flat. There was something off about the match. And as I mentioned, you know, it was uh, discovered that he did suffer a concussion early on in the match on the, the floor. I don't know if there was a suplex and he hit his head and he was just kind of out of it. And Lesnar had to sort of guide him through the match. So there was a lot of talk about there was just big kind of mess up and that Taker was supposed to kick out. The referee counted through and he wasn't supposed to. I mean, there's all these rumors and all these uh, theories of, you know, what happened. But honestly, it was Vince McMahon deciding that this was going to be the year and this was the right time and Brock Lesnar was the right guy to end the streak. And Vince McMahon even appeared on uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast recently and said that he stood by his decision even now after everything that's happened and all the, the people and their stories, he still feels that that was the best decision and he stands by it. A lot of fans would disagree. A lot of fans hated uh, that Lesnar of all people was the one to do it, and not somebody who was coming up, and that could have made their career. So uh, a lot of fans not happy, but the WWE got what they wanted. It was a huge moment in WrestleMania history that we will never forget. Uh, and it was just unbelievable. I I couldn't believe it either. I thought that was a shoe in for Undertaker. He'd win, no problem. But uh, what a shock! It was definitely the biggest shock of the year. Oh, no question. And the other shock that you were just making uh, reference to, which I think uh very debatable which one was bigger. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, it was the, uh, the winning the title. What's his name there? Uh, Daniel Bryan. Trent- yeah. Let's take a listen to Daniel winning the uh, title. Daniel Bryant at Wrestle. What goes through your head? Oh, I mean, what a a moment for Daniel Bryan. And it's just the story leading up to that match at WrestleMania 30. Of course, the year before, uh, Bryan would win his first uh, WWE title at uh, SummerSlam. And it got taken away from him literally seconds after he won the title. Triple H pedigreed him. Randy Orton delivered... uh, he cashed in money in the bank and took the title off Brian, and fans were just upset. 
They were so sick that this great moment was taken away from Daniel Bryan, and months and months would go by, and there would be this yes movement. And as we all know, the Royal Rumble came, and Batista made his return to the company, and the fans just took a huge dump on Batista and basically everyone inside the Royal Rumble. They were nonstop Daniel Bryan chants. They were booing pretty much everyone else. I feel bad for Rey Mysterio, who normally is a fan favorite. He was the last entrant in the Rumble, and the fans just booed and crapped all over Rey Mysterio because they wanted Daniel Bryan in the Rumble. They wanted Daniel Bryan to go to WrestleMania in main event and get the title back. And when it didn't happen, they went crazy. So, of course, this was at a time when, of course, Punk was scheduled to feud with Triple H. Punk left the company. So now you have a slot for Triple H. They put Daniel Bryan in that slot. So you would have Daniel Bryan versus Triple H, WrestleMania. But that still wasn't good enough. The fans wanted Bryan in the main event for the title. So the WWE actually, for the first time in a long time, listening to their fans, decided that they would have this stipulation that if Daniel Bryan would defeat Triple H, he would main event WrestleMania 30 for the title with Batista and Randy Orton, and that's exactly what happened. Daniel Bryan defeated Triple H early in the pay-per-view, and he would go on to main event with Orton and Batista for the WWE World Heavyweight title, winning it, and finally having that moment where he could celebrate, and the fans were just going ballistic. They were so happy. It was something that was really almost an entire year, if not months and months, in the making, and it was just a a really great moment for Daniel Bryan and a great moment for his fans and just a great WrestleMania moment. You talked about, you know, which was the bigger moment, Daniel Bryan's journey, the Yes Movement, or the Undertaker streak breaking, both huge moments, one positive, one negative. Uh, It really depends if uh, you're talking about shock value, you know, I think everyone was secretly hoping that Daniel Bryan had to win this. He had to win WrestleMania 30. I don't think anyone thought he wasn't going to win. But when you think about the Undertaker streak, I think everyone assumed, of course, Taker's going to win. I mean, you know, he's 20-0. and 0. I mean, no one's going to beat Taker. It's impossible. It just ain't going to happen. And it did happen, and it shocked the entire WWE universe. So I don't know which one was the bigger moment. It's really up to the fans and what they figure is, uh, you know, the shock value or just the celebration factor. But uh, two huge moments in WrestleMania history all happened this year at WrestleMania 30. Uh, I was, again, very happy for Daniel Bryan. Unfortunately, he didn't get to enjoy his title reign for very long as he suffered a horrible neck injury and had to forfeit the title. But what a moment he had at WrestleMania 30. The WWE can never take that moment away from Daniel Bryan. He main evented WrestleMania 30. He won the title. And that's something that no matter what happens in his career, if it ends tomorrow, he had that moment and nobody can take it away from him. No question about it. It was also a big year, as we say, in the WrestleMania era, as my favorite wrestler got to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Now, let's play some sound of the ultimate warrior, 
taken his place in the Hall of Fame. With the combination lock that can't be um, violated, if they couldn't handle having the Bulldogs find their way in that bag and leaving something in the bag that you don't want to find in any bag anywhere, then they were out of there real quick. And recently, one of the guys I had one of the classic all-time matches um, of all time with has been on the record saying that I was a good guy. I was a good guy. I am a good guy. And when those kind of things were said about me, I want to thank the superstars that you never see. To make this, no, it's not a new gimmick, the Invisible Man or anything. <laughs> I'm talking about all the people behind the scenes here that worked for WWE, some of them for years, 20, 25, 30 years. They are the superstars that make this happen. They really are. The ring guys who back in the day would get to the building, set up the ring, tear it down, drive all night, get to the next town, get a couple hours sleep, grab a cheeseburger, a couple Coca-Colas, go back to another arena, set the ring up again, right before the matches, take a shower, and then come and ask me or the other guys, can I get you anything? Is there anything I can get you, man? I'll never forget those guys. In fact, when I think about the Hall of Fame and I think about honoring people that make this company work, 30th WrestleMania tomorrow. <laughs> 30th WrestleMania. That's awesome. I was in four. That was the first WrestleMania I was in. And I said the other day at the office to everybody, I said, you know, it's WrestleMania 30, but you're already working on 31, and you can damn sure bet that WrestleMania 75 is going to happen when the founder and creator of this company isn't even around anymore. Well, I better take that back. Vince says he's going to live forever. <laughs> but to be that dedicated and have this thing come that far, I think that it would be appropriate to have a category in the Hall of Fame where you honor these people. And I would suggest every year you take one. And I would like for it, my suggestion is that it's called the Jimmy Miranda Award. Jimmy Miranda was a guy who in the beginning, before you could get merchandise all over the world, he used to drive his car truck with the trailer, show up in the building, set up a table, and sell t-shirts and posters and pictures. And he always had an awesome attitude. So next year, I want to see that there's a Jimmy Miranda Award. I would not be here this evening, and everybody says this and it becomes cliche, I wouldn't be here this evening if it wasn't for all you Ultimate Warrior fans. 
I am Warrior. That is my name. I'm the creator and performer of The Ultimate Warrior, the one and only Ultimate Warrior. You are the Ultimate Warrior fans. Ultimate Warrior is a legend. And the Ultimate Warrior fans, you are legendary. You waited all these years to speak your voice. You fought. I saw you fight over the years. I saw you fight back at all the anonymous ones who put forward all the, the lies and the mischaracterizations. They tried to reprogram your minds, rewrite history about a wonderful, exciting, fun memory of the ultimate warrior. And you fought back, and I'm here tonight because of you. I want to thank No. 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 When I when I when I do Well, you just taught me something. I've been out of business way too long. When I meet people at the signings I do and they come up and say that, I turn it right back on them. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the life I have. Thank you for the way that I have come to view things about my life, view the experiences I had in the business, how appreciative I am for having the opportunity to be me. Oh, jeez. The opportunity to just be me. Be nobody else. Fortunately, when I was in the business, it was all on merit. I remember coming back through the curtain when I started shaking the ropes or when I ran to the ring and there would be veterans there that I was always respectful to. I've said it many times. The reason why me and Steve got the chance we did to continue in the business, even though we were greener than green, is because we had manners and we minded them and we treated the guys who'd been in the business with respect that we appreciated, that they let us in to their business to give it a try. I remember how great it was to know that what I put into it was worth something and it was going to be counted for something. And that's an incredible thing when you can determine your success based on how much you're willing to give to it, how much hard work, how much sacrifice, how much discipline you'll use of yourself to succeed. And when those guys came to me and they told me those kind of things, I would always be respectful and say, I hear you. I just couldn't control myself. I'll try harder next time. In the back of my mind, I kept remembering one person didn't tell me to stop. And that one person was Vince McMahon. And he gave me that opportunity, that opportunity to use my imagination, to use my creativity, 
and to go as far as I could with it. I remember the first time I went and met with Vince. I don't even think I was on TV yet. And I, the only time he saw Vince was at television tapings or at Madison Square Garden. And I remember getting an appointment with him. It's kind of funny because back in the day, all the guys would be on the road and they'd be talking about their checks, not getting a pay-per-view check, you know, how they didn't like their check or how something was this or that. And they'd be saying how that when they got a chance to see Vince at TV or at Madison Square Garden, they were going to give him a piece of their mind. They were going to get things straightened out. <laughs> a lot of guys up here laughing because they know. Everybody always walked out of there with a bobbly head. Bad News Brown, one of the legitimate bad guys in the business. He had reached his breaking point. He was talking about it on the road. And I thought for sure, it's going to happen now. Vince is going to go down. And sure enough, he had his meeting. He came out with a bobbly head. The psychology in the ring is one thing. The psychology with Vince happens on a whole other level. But I remember meeting with him a first I remember meeting with him the first time, and I kept a journal, so I made notes. I went in with him. I don't think I was on TV, like I said yet. Hadn't gotten a push. And I, uh, it's Madison Square Garden, one of the uh, dressing rooms there, and it's all lined with mirrors. And I opened my journal, and I said, Mr. McMahon, I said, this is what you can do for me so I can help you better. And I remember he quickly turned around, did a 180. I could see his reflection in the mirror, and he was trying to keep from laughing. He was trying to keep her laughing from the fact that this guy I'm not even putting on TV is coming to me with a list of ideas. He turned back around, he kept his composure, and after that I got a meeting with Vince whenever I wanted him. Because he knew I was dedicated and he didn't have to worry about me being out on the road and keeping up my end of the deal with my gimmick. But to be you in your life, to be able to do that thing, to be able to Engage your creativity. Push yourself hard. Know you're going to get paid back for that. Is incredible. It's also incredible to experience the magic. The magic. The magic of working in the business. All of it was really magic. Traveling up and down the road, going to a different city every day like it was vacation. Showing up at the locker room at night, and it, the atmosphere is comforting and supportive with the guys that you're working with traveling up and down the road for all these days in a row. I miss that. It was awesome to be able to experience that. It was awesome to be able to be bigger and larger than life than I really was. To play make-believe and being a tough guy. I mean, let's face it, in this business, there are a few legitimate tough guys. Few legitimate tough guys. The rest of us get to play that role. And that's an incredible thing to feel, to go out and become a character that people believe in. In this mini battle that you've created, this mini challenge 
between two characters. One of them to win out. To be a hero to people. To experience what it's like that fans and kids get behind you in a way where they really, really believe in you in a serious way. I'll never forget the first time that it hit me when I did a Make-A-Wish Foundation. And kudos to John Cena for all the Make-A-Wish stuff he does. Where is John? John. He doesn't want anybody to know it, but he kicks more ass and does more good with Make-A-Wish than anybody, any other celebrity, any other entertainer. I also know, too, from Ed Connors that you're a big ultimate warrior, Mark. But to go out and do that, I remember meeting with the Make-A-Wish kid. I was in my gear. I went to a room. I got down on a knee. The kid was in a wheelchair, and the lighting was just right where I saw the reflection of my painted face in their eye. And it left me. Just the power of that responsibility of that, the gift of being able to experience that, that we get to do that. Wrestlers get to do it. A few months ago, Ray Lewis retired. And there was a video montage out where he had done a, um, saying things, motivational speaking inside the huddle, that type of thing. He says, I am the ultimate warrior. Him and Rock and all those guys were ultimate warrior fans. And the guys at ESPN, what they did was they put Ray Lewis in Ultimate Warrior gear. Wrestlers don't put hockey gear on. They don't put baseball gear on. They don't put basketball gear on. They don't put any other sport gear on. But all those athletes, they put wrestling gimmicks on. That's how powerful it is to have that experience and being that role model, being a performer in WWE. To me, in my life, I appreciate the opportunity to understand the responsibility to the degree that if you get to play a tough guy, a strong guy in WWE, then you should be able to go out and handle a simple thing like what? Wow. AJ, let me go to you on that. What do you think of that ultimate warrior with his ultimate speech at the big one, WrestleMania? Your thoughts? I mean, wow. Uh, it's hard to even speak about it without getting a little choked up. It was just such an emotional speech. It's something that I think a lot of uh, people were looking forward to, especially. I mean, just, uh, you know, Ultimate Warrior with a live microphone. Uh, I think everyone knew it was going to be something special. I don't think anyone really realized just how special it would be after the coming days after WrestleMania 30. But just that speech, he got into so much, and he really – uh, took the time to address so many things that were on his mind and that he just wanted to get out in the open. And, uh, you know, he talked, of course, about the the Ultimate Destruction DVD in which WWE tried to rewrite history. 
And, you know, you know, ultimate warriors say what you will about him. If you're a fan of him, awesome. If you weren't a fan of him, you know, hey, that's awesome too. But there were so many people who always talked down to him and, oh, he can't wrestle and blah, blah, this and that. But the guy was such an amazing character. And he, he talked about just the power of having, you know, kids look up to you and, you know, feeling that responsibility and feeling that, you know, these people, these, you know, whether it's kids or just, you know, men and women who watch you, you know, you know, every week and who believe in you, who just love you and they cheer you, they worship you, they think the world of you and your character and they really get behind you and it's a it's a very powerful feeling as he as he said. And he said it's really uh an indescribable and you know, he, he really took that to heart and he was very hurt by a lot of the things that happened with the WWE and you know, somehow they found a way to come together and they made peace. Uh, he talked about even just paying tribute and honoring the people who we take for granted, the, the guys who set up the rings, the guys behind the scenes who we don't see, who we don't know their names, who people, you know, fans don't cheer for. They don't even know these people exist because if it wasn't for those people, we wouldn't have this, you know, huge spectacle that is pro wrestling or sports entertainment. And they really make this possible. And he really talked about hoping to see whether or not they'll do a, a special, you know, a Hall of Fame sort of thing for just the ring guys and the guys behind the scenes. I don't know if the WWE will do that, but it was a nice thing that Warrior got out and spoke of. And, you know, maybe someone somewhere is listening, and who knows if that will ever come to fruition. But uh, it was just a real emotional speech. And, uh, it's just when you listen to it, it's just it really gets you. Uh, it really pulls at your heartstrings, especially knowing, you know, what would come uh, that moment at the Hall of Fame and the moment seeing him on stage at WrestleMania 30, and even the next night on Monday Night Raw where he delivered probably one of the the most memorable uh, promos of all time, in which that you know it was so eerie when he talked about, you know, every man's heart beating, the the final beat and the lungs, you know, final breath. And it was just such a, when you look back on it, it's so spooky, you know, what would happen. And you never would have imagined that he would have passed away, you know, right after that. I mean, literally it was the next day, it was Tuesday. I think it was just after we were just on the air, we just did a show and it was just maybe a few hours later that uh, he passed, and it was just such a huge shock and a huge devastation felt uh, in the wrestling world. Everyone was so excited and so happy to have him back and to see him on television again and to see him a part of the WWE again and to finally mend all these wounded fences and bridges and him to have made peace with a lot of guys who he had issues with and for him to get along and talk with. And it was just he had such a bright future ahead of him and it's just sad that we never got to see all those amazing future projects that he could have done and working with the WWE and their partnership. But what an amazing moment. WrestleMania 30, the Hall of Fame speech, the speech on Monday Night Raw, it's definitely something I'll never forget. It was one of the highlights of the year, without a doubt. Absolutely. I couldn't uh, say it any better than uh, Ultimate Warrior will be... Uh... Definitely miss. He was an icon, especially in the 90s. Yeah. But uh, let's continue here. Um, Hulk Hogan, um, August 11th, turned out to be a Monday night. 
and they throw a birthday party. This is uh, part of the top uh, highlights. Brock Lesnar didn't like that so much. Let's go back to August 11th, then we'll talk about this on the other side. I think this is the first time I've ever been speechless, Mean Gene. Well, that's not going to be for long, Hulk. As a matter of fact, a reception like this got to do your heart good. Well, let me see if I can muster up just a little something since we're right here in the middle of Portland, Oregon, brother. And it kind of goes like this. Well, let me tell you something, Mean Gene. You know, all day long, everybody's been showering Hulk Hogan with birthday presents. Even that nasty, mean old Vince McMahon gave Hulk Hogan a present. And everybody knows how much it costs to subscribe to the WWE Network. It's just $9.99. Well, Vince McMahon gave me a birthday card. And in that birthday card, there was a certain amount of money. And you know it was just $9.99. And Vince McMahon, as mean as he is, as nasty as he is, he wanted to make sure Hulk Hogan had subscribed to the WWE Network just so I could see SummerSlam this Sunday, brother. But you know, in all sincerity, this has been the greatest day of my life. This has been the greatest birthday I've ever had. And to all of the crew in the back that worked so hard, to all those WWE superstars, and even you, Mr. Pat Patterson, <laughs> all my Hulkamaniacs in the WWE Universe, I want to thank you guys. But you know, Mean Gene, when your birthday rolls around every year and you turn 61 years young, you start, you start to reflect back on a few things. And Hulkamania is basically a two-way street, my brother. And I just hope I've been able to touch their lives just a little bit in compared to how much you guys have touched my life. I love you, I love my Hulk Up Maniacs, and I love the WWE Universe, brother! Hulkster, we love you!
Mr. Wonderful. Paul Orndorff. <laughs> First WrestleMania main eventer. Yeah, long-time rival of Holster. They had some great moments over the years, didn't they? And you got that right. <laughs> Looks like Orndorff's been crossed with Wyatt Earp. Commodore Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> this is a wonderful filling streak. So happy to see Paul. some love to you on your birthday, and brother, you look sweet in that red and yellow. He looks sweet in the red and yellow, right? But I just want to take a little survey. Now, how many people here at Raw came to see Hulk in the red and yellow? Or did you like him better when he was rocking that black and white in the N.W.? <laughs> Survey says one more for the good guys. 
I've done a lot of things in my career, but one thing I haven't done is this. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Join in. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Ulster. Oh, my God. This guy's in here to sing. This is as disrespectful as it gets. Yeah, disrespectful. I don't know what he's going to do. Paul Hammond said it was Brock Lesnar's house. Uh, hope we don't see anything happen here. But Brock Lesnar, get these guys out of here. Brock Lesnar did come down here to sing Happy Birthday. I can assure you that. You get some of these guys out of here. They realize how dangerous the situation is. Party's over, Grandpa. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for those of you we've been promising all night long, we want to 
learn more about the main event of SummerSlam between John Cena and Brock Lesnar. Immediately following Raw live on the WWE Network, it's a special look at the main event between Lesnar and Cena at SummerSlam. And I, I've just been told, thanks to this disrespectful act here by, by Paul Heyman and the Beast, thank goodness, on the WWE Network immediately following Monday Night Raw, Hulk Hogan's birthday celebration will continue. And that is next, live on the WWE Network. Unbelievable. You know, I've heard that Hulk Hogan took offense to uh, Brock Lesnar saying that uh, when he spoke to TMZ, he made it seem that that wasn't in the script. But all in all, a very good segment of 2014 as we look back. Uh, JJ, give me your impressions. Yeah, I definitely agree. Definitely a segment for a lot of the uh, older fans. If you were watching wrestling for the past 20 to 30 years, I mean, of course, Hulk Hogan, uh, Paul Orndorff, Ric Flair was there, Jimmy Hart, Mean Gene Okerlund, uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper, and, of course, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash. Uh, It was a, a big moment. It was great to see all those legends in the ring. It was, of course, Hulk Hogan's birthday party. And uh, at, this was at a, back in August, so of course uh, the big thing coming was the SummerSlam match between Cena and Lesnar, and of course Hogan's always been very vocal for John Cena, so Brock Lesnar would come in, interrupt uh, Hogan's birthday bash. I mean, he just came off, you know, destroying uh, the legend of the Undertaker at WrestleMania, and here's Brock Lesnar face to face with you know Mr. Hulkamania himself. Is, you know, a lot of fans were wondering what's going to happen. Is, is you know, Lesnar going to F5 Hogan on his birthday? I mean, uh, it was a very exciting moment. And as you pointed out, uh, there was uh, that moment where Brock just kind of looked at Hogan and he said, hey, you know, party's over, Grandpa. And, you know, Hogan, you know, Hogan took offense to that. Hell, yeah, he took offense. And uh, I don't believe that was a part of the script. I do believe uh, possibly Paul Heyman maybe of uh, Coach Lesnar on to, to get a little extra heat for the, the segment. But uh, it was definitely uh, just a great moment for, of course, Lesnar, you know, insulting Hulk Hogan. And it was just the fans were really into it. And for the first time in a long time, John Cena came to make the save, and the fans cheered John Cena. Normally the fans always booing John Cena, but this was one moment where they hated someone more than John Cena, and that was Brock Lesnar, the guy who, again, defeated The Undertaker at WrestleMania, who was face-to-face with Hulk Hogan as he you know, made his triumphant return to the WWE, and all those legends in the ring who, I guess, you know, quote-unquote, were intimidated by Lesnar. And here's John Cena saving the day, and the fans were actually behind him and cheering him. And, of course, Lesnar just came in to intimidate the legends and then would walk out of the ring and the the show would continue on the network, as they mentioned, in which, you know, Hogan would celebrate and say thank you to all the legends who came out and thank you to the fans. But, again, just a really uh, well well put together segment. Uh, it was great seeing the legends together again. Uh, and it was, it was great that they were able to mingle in some of the uh, talent like Lesnar and Cena into it. So it really fit the show. And uh, it's, you know, times like that where and we say NWR. sometimes, Oh yeah, I mean, the, that was uh, a big thing. Segment. Because, 
Yeah, because originally Hogan came out in his red and yellow. He was there. It was a red bandana, red you know, Hulkamania shirt. And then, of course, Kevin Nash and Scott Holt came out, and they had the NWO, you know, black shirts on. And then, uh, you know, Hall mentioned uh, in that when you heard the, the, the tape that, uh, you know, oh, I liked you better when you were rocking the NWO colors. And at that moment, Hogan would tear the uh, red and yellow shirt and reveal the NWO black shirt underneath. So it was really cool to see Hogan, Hall, Nash, all wearing the NWO colors together in the ring at the same time. Uh, it was definitely a, a really nice reunion between the three original uh, New World Order members. So just a really well-put-together moment. And as I said, lots of times they'll bring these legends on the shows and they don't know what to do with them. This was one of the few occasions where it just worked out right and they really used the guys all to a really great way. And it was just, just a really fun moment for uh, wrestling fans to see these guys together again. No question. And 2014 also saw another return. Let's take a listen and talk about it on the other side. Come, Big Show. Come on down and let's see what happens. Come on down so I can crush you. Come, Big Show. Big Show is a coward. Just like all of you are cowards. AJ, I'll tell you, that was one exciting moment because, you know, nobody knew. Um, they knew that he was in New York um, promoting something. 
Um, what's your take on The Rock coming back to my hometown, Brooklyn? Yeah, I mean, what a moment. Uh, earlier in the year, we would see The Rock at WrestleMania 30, and they had that special uh, intro, which pretty much thought that was going to be the last time we would see The Rock inside a WWE ring this year. I thought, well, he's done. He's doing movies. He's busy. We're never going to see this guy again. And to my surprise, as you pointed out, at that particular time, he was in the New York area. He was doing something with Time Warner. I remember uh, people were speculating, oh, The Rock's in New York. He's in New York. But, you know, like I said, he was it. He was doing something, promoting a movie or something. He was at the headquarters. He even posted a photo of himself uh, at Time Warner. And we thought, well, there's no way. Obviously, he's business. He's doing business. He's working. He's not going to make it to Monday Night Raw. Are you kidding me? And to our surprise, probably, again, one of the biggest surprises of the year, The Rock would return be at the uh, WWE Raw Brooklyn show, and of all things, he would interrupt Rusev. Rusev, who's undefeated, he's been beating stars left and right, he's been billed as this new sort of monster who's untouchable, and here comes the most electrifying man in sports entertainment, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It was just, again, one of those moments that I talked about with the Hogan's birthday party where they just used everybody the right way. And here's the rock working with a younger talent who they're trying to establish. And it was just a really great mix. And of course the rock, anytime he comes to the WWE, he's always very funny. He's always, you know, on point. And he, I remember he made some sort of joke about Lana and Rusev and, you know, the fans just ate it up. It was really great. And, of course, they had a little heated exchange where he kind of slapped the taste out of Rusev's mouth. And it was just a, a really awesome moment on Monday Night Raw. Just uh, just really cool. And, like I said, a huge surprise because nobody could have predicted that The Rock would be at a WWE live event on Raw. It just, you just didn't think it would happen. And Brooklyn blew the roof off the place when he came in. It was so loud. And it was just a, a really great moment, man. It was awesome. Oh, it was hard to top that, though. The fans were just beside themselves. Yeah. You know, it was almost like uh, the Beatles and Michael Jackson was there. The Rock was just on that level. Oh, yeah. He's a huge star. Uh, no question about it. Um. Okay. Let's take a little break. Let's play some old-school RVD. And on the other side, we'll get back to the best of. And we're going to talk about some TNA and the three shows. Uh, and some more items. And uh, we will be back uh, right after RVD and the walk. Take a listen. We'll be right back.
coming back, and we're going to the best of 2014. Um, another shocking thing that happened is what happened with CM Punk, JJ. Your thoughts on CM Punk? Yes, uh, as I talked about just a little bit earlier, we are talking about Daniel Bryan and his road to WrestleMania and Punk leaving the WWE, which really gave Bryan that spot at WrestleMania 30. You know, Punk left. Uh, his last appearance for the WWE was uh, this year's Royal Rumble. He was a part of the 2014 Royal Rumble, and that would be the last time we would ever see CM Punk working for the uh, WWE the next day on Monday Night Raw, uh, before the show was even live, uh, he basically went to Vince, he went to Triple H, and he told them that, you know, uh, he lost his passion for the job. He talked about many things that he was upset about uh, creatively. He talked about things he was upset about uh, money financially and not being paid what he thought he was due uh, he talked about, you know, not main eventing WrestleMania and being upset about that. He talked about so many things. And, uh, of course, health was a huge deciding factor. He had multiple concussions. He had uh, banged up knees and elbows. And he had this uh, growth on his back, which eventually was uh, found out to be a staph infection, which was very deadly and could have killed him. And that was uh, you know, the deciding factor where he just, he was wrestling week after week, and he just he just said, what am I doing with my life? I just He's not happy anymore. He's miserable. He doesn't enjoy the work. I mean, he's on the road nearly 300-plus days a year, and he's just not enjoying it anymore. And he looked at his bank account, and he just said, why am I doing this? It doesn't make me happy. I have, you know, the money, so why? So he decided, like most people, you know, if you're miserable, if you hate your job, you quit. Most people aren't afforded that luxury if they hate their job. Most people put their nose to the grind because they don't have a choice. There is no alternative. Because if you quit, well, you lose money. How do you, you know, pay? How do you pay the bills? How do you, you know, take care of your family? Punk was very fortunate that he saved so much money that he could walk away. He could take away. You know, uh, we remember when Austin left and he said how he couldn't believe how much money he lost uh, by walking away. Punk knew he was going to be losing money, and it didn't bother him. He didn't care about that. He was just burnt out, and he just hated wrestling. He wanted nothing to do with the company, and he was just done. And for months, for nearly 11 months, we would wonder why. Why did he walk out? And uh, he eventually revealed why he left. And as I mentioned before, you know, just all the injuries, the concussions, being unhappy with creative, unhappy with the direction of the company, being unhappy with uh, money and his respect in the company and wanting that top main event spot at WrestleMania and that staff infection where the doctors didn't know what the hell was wrong with him and they weren't treating him, they weren't taking care of him. All the WWE cared about was, hey, sign these papers so you can go to Europe hey, sign this so you can do a tour here. Sign this so you can do an autograph session. Do this, do that. And he's like, you know what? I don't care about that. Take care of me. I feel like I'm dying. I'm miserable, and you guys aren't taking care of me. So he had enough, and he walked away from the WWE. And we would find out, uh, we assumed that his contract ran out uh, in July, but as it turned out, we discovered 
that, uh, you know, when he left the WWE, he was also suspended, of course, because he walked out. He was suspended. It was just, uh, and he was fine with that. He said on Colt Cabana's Art of Wrestling podcast that, you know, he could understand why they suspended him. He didn't really care about that. But then when it came time to him to have his wedding, he got married to A.J. Lee this year. And uh, he got his, basically he was fired on his wedding day, he got the papers in. They basically faxed it overnight that he would get it on his wedding, something that was very malicious of the WWE to do that. And the WWE, of course, responded to that. Vince McMahon responded again on Austin's podcast saying, oh, well, you know, I think talent relations got it mixed up. We didn't know he was getting married and all this stuff. We didn't realize it was on his yeah, wedding sure. day. <laughs> exactly. And uh, Punk said that, they knew he was getting married because, for one thing, his wife works for the company still. She didn't walk out on the company, and she requested time off specifically so she could get married. And even uh, Punk said that he talked to Triple H, and he said they were hoping that they could you know, renegotiate some things. He had some royalty checks that, of course, they stopped giving him, and he basically told them, hey, after I get married... How about we open a discussion and we could talk about the royalty checks. We can talk about whatever. I just don't want to deal with it now because I'm planning my wedding and my honeymoon, and that takes priority. And WWE basically, well, said fine. And they screwed him over, and they, you know, they just sent him the, the papers, and they made sure that he got it on his wedding day. I mean, it was a very calculated move by the WWE. And it was just, it's just disgraceful. Why would you do that? I mean, really, you, c- you couldn't wait till afterwards you want to fire him. You couldn't talk to him. And that was, again, something that Austin McMahon did bring up was that there wasn't really anyone in a position to bridge the gap between Punk and the WWE. When Austin walked out, of course, he was good friends with Jim Ross. Jim Ross, who was in charge of talent relations, very close to, with Vince McMahon, would talk things over with Steve, with Austin, and eventually they would smooth things out, and he would be the middleman. There was no middleman with CM Punk and the WWE. He was very much a loner. He kept to himself, but he always said that, hey, I'm in Chicago. What's stopping them from coming to me, from calling me? And they didn't. They didn't call him. They didn't get in touch with him, and they just let him go, and he was fine with that. And But he made sure that, you know, if they're going to fire me on my wedding, I'm going to make sure I get everything that I deserve from them. And that was his royalty checks. Uh, he was a part of a WWE video game, 2K15, in which he was one of the main features, the rivalry between him and John Cena. So he had to get royalties for the video game. So there's this big sort of settlement that happened, again, months later, where he could be part of the video game, he could have his merchandise uh, being sold at WWEshop.com or at arenas, and there would be no issues there. And yet, again, it was a huge moment uh, when that settlement happened. I think, as he said, it was on his birthday. Uh, a few weeks later, of course, he would do the podcast with his good friend, Colt Cabana, and it's, he would air out his grievances and finally speak about why he left the company. And then soon after that... He would announce that he had signed a contract with the UFC, Ultimate Fighting Championship, and he would have his first pro fight 
sometime in uh, 2015. A huge shock. I don't think anyone could have predicted that CM Punk, the WWE wrestler, would follow in the footsteps of Brock Lesnar and join the UFC and be become an MMA fighter. I, that was huge news. Uh, people are still talking about it today. In fact, there are rumors circulating uh, the dirt sheets now that starting in 2015, the WWE is going to be issuing going to be a lot stricter when it comes to fans and the CM Punk signs and fans even wearing CM Punk T-shirts. They may even ask fans to turn the shirts inside out or to not wear the shirts That's or terrible. else they will be asked to leave. I know it, it's this pretty ridiculous. Exactly. It's just very funny to me because the WWE just had the tribute to the Troop Show in which, of course, we celebrate the freedom that we have in America and that the troops are fighting for. And here the WWE, again, these very bipolar, where, the, where Punk huh. discussed how the WWE is so bipolar because on the one hand, when Punk announced he would be signing with the UFC, of course the WWE would go on their website and say, oh, we wish Phil Brooks all the best in his future endeavors with the UFC and all this stuff. Meanwhile, now they're issuing that fans can no longer have his merchandise. They can't bring signs. It's just this very sort of bipolar where they want nothing to do with the guy. They don't want him associated at their events and that they're really just, you know, they say, oh, well, we wish him the best of luck. The UFC is not competition, and yet they're doing all these underhanded things behind, you know, closed doors. And, you know, they're really infringing, again, on our freedoms, our freedoms that those American soldiers who you celebrate at tribute to the troops, they're fighting for, our freedom. And fans should have the freedom if they want to have a CM Punk sign. I mean, again, he doesn't work for the company, so I can understand why some people would be upset. Why would you go to a WWE event and have a sign of a wrestler who's not there? But it's up to the fan. They paid their hard-earned money to go to the shows. If they want to cheer for someone, if they want to wear someone's merchandise, T-shirts, a sign, they should have the freedom to do so as long as it's not inappropriate. I understand it's a PG show. They may not want any F-bombs or any, you know, nude uh, topless women signs or, you know, things of that nature. But this is just a guy's name, for God's sake. It, they're not, you know, it's not hurting the show. It's not taking anything away from the WWE product. But yet the WWE really are going to be grinding down on this in 2015. And it's just really unfortunate because we're going to basically... If they had a sign that related to, like, Ferguson or, you know, where those protesters are, now that's yeah. grounds for taking it away. But yes, as exactly. you said, a harmless... Uh, CM Punk, uh, that's ridiculous. I remember in the 90s when Warrior uh, just left in uh, 96, 97, um, there were signs, and I never saw that they used to never take a away like they do now. It's crazy. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. I mean, back in the 90s, I mean, how many times would you watch Monday Night Raw and you would see fans maybe wearing a WCW Nitro shirt and saying, oh, Vince fears Nitro, or Vince fears Bischoff, or Vince fears Goldberg. You know, those guys, those signs, and there was never an issue in then. And then when wrestling was at its hottest, you would think you wouldn't want the WWE to have any of the WCW's rivals, their names or anything. And they didn't care back then. Yet all of a sudden now, suddenly they do care. Suddenly now you can't have a, a CM Punk sign. And like you pointed out, it's one thing if it was a sign that was, 
you know, homophobic or a racial slur, of course, that's completely inappropriate and it should be taken away and that person should be asked to leave the arena. But just a harmless sign of a wrestler, even if he's not with the company, it's just ridiculous and it really is infringing on fans' freedom. It's just uh, disgusting to me. Uh, no question about that. Um, during, uh, I don't know, what is it, 20, uh, 2014, we had the start of WrestleMania. Uh, one of the more interesting ways um, that WrestleMania started, and I heard that this was basically impromptu when you had was the announcement that CM Punk, Phil Brooks, has officially signed a multi-fight contract with UFC, and he will compete in UFC. He'll debut sometime in 2015, not sure when. Uh, it could be at least six months, maybe longer away, so he's not fighting anytime soon, but at some point, probably in the second half of next year, the plan is for CM Punk to step into the octagon for the very first time. They made the announcement uh, with Joe Rogan and Punk, who was there. He had AJ Lee with him. Uh, Punk says he is likely to fight at middleweight, maybe at welterweight, but definitely not light heavyweight. So he's looking at somewhere in that 155 to 185-pound range. I think uh, in in the post-fight scrum after the show last night, he was doing media uh, interviews. And he's, I think he, was, he said he was looking at 185, so that's kind of what he's uh, got in mind. He said he's 100% committed to this. Uh, this is his new career. He's either going to kick ass or get his ass kicked. Uh, he'll make an announcement soon about a training camp. Uh, look, I'm happy for the guy. He seemed legitimately happy. He was all smiles. He's all in on this. He's had uh, an interest in, in MMA for a long, long time. He's been training under the Gracies for a long time now, doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. There's videos on YouTube of him rolling around, I think, with Henner. Uh, so this is not something that is new to him. But at the same time, the dude's 36 years old with a body that has been beaten to shit by years of pro wrestling. I'm not sure, personally, how smart it is for a guy who has admitted to having at least a dozen concussions in his lifetime to be stepping into the octagon. But it's his life. He can do with it what he wants. Uh, and that's, that's his prerogative. I can't hate on the guy for doing what he wants to do. He's got more balls than most. And I, I throw Kurt Angle in that category, too. Now, maybe if Kurt Angle was a little younger and a little healthier and wasn't so beat up, Maybe he would have made the jump to UFC. But Dana White has said, you know, he... Okay, I apologize for that. Um, there was some uh, technical problems. But as I was saying, um, I'm trying to find the audio of it. Uh, Hogan, Rock, and Austin. JJ, your thoughts when you... Oh, yeah, I mean, the intros of WrestleMania 30... Uh, you know, again, the 30th WrestleMania is huge. You think of WrestleMania, you think of Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 1. He he was such a big part of the first nine uh, WrestleManias. And then you think of, you know, WrestleManias between The Rock and Stone, and, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. They had three WrestleMania main events, uh, The Rock and Austin. It was such a, a huge feud and rivalry, and you never got tired of of a match between Rock and Austin. Those guys always delivered in WrestleMania. So to see Austin, Rock, and Hogan, you know, in the WWE ring, 
together. It was just one of those special moments, and it was done, you know, very well. It was fun. You know, there was a part where Hogan kind of got where he was a little mixed up. He got confused between, I guess, the the Silver Dome and the Superdome. And, you know, of course, Austin and (laughs) they gave him a hard time over that. So it was a lot of fun, too. So it was just – it was just a really great moment to see these two different generations together. Of course, Rock and uh, Hogan have uh, a history themselves at WrestleMania. When Hogan came back to the company and his first big matchup was against The Rock. So it was just uh, something really special between those three guys, seeing them you know, in the ring and just you know, kind of having fun and putting their rivalries and uh, their feuds uh, in the ring behind them and just enjoying and celebrating you know, the 30th WrestleMania. Just a really special moment, and there's really no better way to kick off the show. It was a, a really cool moment. Yeah, and uh, usually you don't see those kind of moments. Um, uh, were you surprised to see that start the uh, WrestleMania show? Or? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I didn't. Ex- I knew that Hogan was going to be the special, you know, guest host. They were advertising Hogan being the host of WrestleMania, so I knew we were going to see Hogan in some fashion, possibly open up the show. But you know, seeing him being confronted by Austin. And The Rock, that was definitely, again, an awesome surprise. Uh, you know, you hope to see guys like Austin and Rock, who have such a huge history in the WWE, who have such a huge history uh, at WrestleMania. And, again, of course, we know Rock's schedule. He's doing movies left and right. He's got TV shows on HBO, TV shows on TNT. I mean, the guy's everywhere. He's doing all kinds of things. And as I mentioned before, I didn't expect him to be in Raw in Brooklyn, but I was very glad to see him a part of a WrestleMania 30 with him, Austin Hogan, again, you don't see things like that too often, especially legends like those three men who have such a rich history in wrestling, three of the biggest stars to come out of the WWE. So, again, just a really awesome, cool moment for fans of whatever generation. If you're a fan of Hogan and Hulkamania of the 80s, or if you're a fan of Hogan and the NWO of the 90s, if you're a fan of Austin in the 90s, if you're a fan of The Rock, you know, in 2000, I mean, just uh, just something for everyone. And that that's really good when you can really reach out to so many different people of different generations, and you can just make everybody happy, which is rare, because it's hard that you can't please everyone all the time. But I think we all could agree that that was a special moment that everyone uh, really enjoyed. Uh, I would definitely agree with that. Now we do have some news. Well, this is goes with the 2014 as ECW uh, after let's see 2005. They yeah, I think they started in 2005. So that's about nine years they were on the Spike Network, and uh, I guess after this will be ten years. Not bad, as Spike uh, and TNA moved to another new network. And, JJ, you want to tell the audience about it? Yeah, I mean, uh, huge news for uh, TNA. Uh, Of course, they've been announcing the move. They're leaving Spike TV. Uh, They're just now just airing the best of TNA uh, every Wednesday. Now you can see they're just uh, showing the best of until they make the move which will be January 7th. 
Uh, of course, TNA moving to Destination America, which is a part of the uh, Discovery Channels and Network. Yes. Uh, it, it's going to be big for TNA. Uh, they have this really great relationship with the network, which is awesome. The network really wants to, you know, take advantage and make uh, TNA their top priority, you know, which is great, uh, which you hope to see and take advantage of. And uh, we just announced last week that uh, not only will we be seeing TNA Impact on Destination America, but they have a second show on Destination America, and it's called Impact Wrestling Unlocked, which will feature Mike Tenay. Mike Tenay, who normally would be announcing TNA, is getting out of the announcer's booth and is being a part of this Unlocked show, which will basically run uh, behind the scenes of, of what just happened on Impact and will give off, you know, stats on wrestlers, a history, backstory, interviews. It'll be a really cool behind-the-scenes show that hopefully takes off and gives viewers who are maybe new to Impact Wrestling a chance to, you know, really get to know these guys and to know the boys and the girls and the wrestlers and the talent and to really, you know, hopefully, you know, a greater interest into watching Impact every week on Destination America. And it was just announced this week, Dixie Carter tweeted, that uh, TNA will have a third show, if you can believe that, on Destination America, and it will highlight TNA's greatest matches, which is uh, pretty cool. Again, uh, you're going to be watching Impact Wrestling. You can watch Unlocked, which gives you behind-the-scenes looks and interviews, and now you can really catch up and watch some of the greatest matches in TNA's history. They've already announced a schedule that I believe will start January 10th, in which they will show the best of Sting. And you can watch some of Sting's uh, greatest matches in TNA. They will also have some of the greatest matches with Kurt Angle, which will be a two-part series, which you can watch on Destination America. They've also announced projects of doing a Best of Rob Van Dam in TNA, a Best of Mr. Anderson, a Best of Jeff Hardy, and the Best of the TNA Knockouts, and a Best of Samoa Joe. So what a really great way, again, to get to know uh, these talents. And if you, if you were watching on Destination America for the first time, if you've never watched TNA, or if you're a longtime fan, who maybe you forgot some of these matches that these guys had. Maybe you didn't know that, uh, you know, Sting was in TNA or that Rob Van Dam is in TNA because as of right now, they're both in the WWE. But it's a great way to sort of watch uh, TNA, get to know the talents who are there currently and some of the legends who were in TNA, like a Rob Van Dam and a Sting. And while you can still enjoy the women, the knockouts, and get to know Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle, and uh, that's going to be very cool to see, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a big part. Yeah, uh, it's going to be really great for Destination America. Three huge shows uh, appearing on them, really helping TNA just uh, expand and help you know viewers get to know the talents, which hopefully will just make them want to tune in to Impact every week that much more as they have a greater interest 
that they care about these guys and the work that they put in their matches and just the product in general. It should be really great for TNA, and I'm really looking forward to this, and I really hope it works out for them. They seem to have a great relationship with the network, and the network is putting them first and giving them these opportunities to expand their audience. So I'm really happy for TNA in 2015. Hopefully should be uh, a much better year for them. There were a lot of scary moments in uh, 2014 when there were massive cuts on the roster. Guys like Hogan and Sting and AJ were leaving the company, and it was just that uh, there was a time when people thought they were really going to close their doors and TNA would go out of business, but that is not the case. They were picked up by a new network, and they will continue on in 2015. So I wish TNA nothing but the best, and I look forward to what they do on Destination America and these three new programs that will be airing soon. Yes. Now, those programs where they're talking about, like, the best of uh, RVD, for example, um, is that a one-time show? Well, no, like I said, this will be a regular scheduled program. It will be TNA, the uh, the greatest matches, or if you want to call it the best of, and they're going to be featuring different superstars, and they're going to be highlighting them. Uh, you know, every week, every week there should be somebody new. Of course, when the the show starts January 10th, they're going to focus on Sting. They're going to focus on Kurt Angle, but uh, then they're going to feature Rod Van Dam the following week. They're going to feature Mr. Anderson. They're going to feature Jeff Hardy. Like I said, the Knockout Samoa Joe. Uh, that's just scheduled for January. Uh, I haven't made any announcements for February yet, but I'm sure hopefully if this is a huge success, we will see it continue on in February, and it should be a part of their regular regular scheduled programming. Wow. So, But you know what's good? Uh, like uh, I used to say that, you know, Spike should give them uh, uh, like a midnight or, you know, after war replay. This way, they already have the captive audience that's watching Raw, and then when Raw is over, they can flip over to to uh, Impact. Um, I would do that for sure because I'm always watching Raw much more than I am Impact. Raw yeah. is more of a necessity, I think, for people. But I'm in in terms of the way this network is treating it. They want to make this company very successful because why else would you have three shows? Exactly. And what's smart is they're using the names that they had, like mm-hmm. Sting, Bob Van Dam, yeah. and guys like that, to because they own library of the, those characters, and right. uh, they could show them every week. Uh, you know, they won't, but I'm just saying... Uh, to me, that's a brilliant idea is because you'll get the non-fan that doesn't know too much about TNA but knows about wrestling and those say, hmm, I know Ralph Indian, I know Sting, yeah. I know uh, Mr. Kennedy or something like that. Yeah. And uh, that's how they all uh, get some audience, I think. What do you think? Exactly. Oh, definitely. And there's so much more people, guys like even Ric Flair, uh, Booker T, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan was a huge part of uh, TNA at one point. Uh, his daughter, Brooke, Bully Ray. You know, they could do a special on you know, the Team 3D, Bully Ray and Devon. 
So they, they could really go far back. And if you really go even further back, there was another guy who wrestled for TNA who probably a lot of people don't know, CM Punk. They could actually air a best of CM Punk, even though he didn't last too long there. But, again, if it brings people to watch the show and expand the audience, then they should really go for it and take advantage of the library that they have. Yeah, you know, I thought I always thought the same thing. ECW should have did that because they actually had Steve Austin, Mick Foley, Dean Malenko, and uh, Rey Mysterio, and all these great guys. And uh, they should have did best of, best of, and things like that. That would have uh, definitely helped. And, you know, TNA, like when they come to a, uh, you know, a gym or whatever, uh, an arena, they have, for example, like Jeff Hardy will go up in the ring or Kurt Angle and take pictures for like 20 bucks. And I'm sure Jeff Hardy a piece of that and uh, the last time I saw him do that uh, last summer wow there must have been at least a couple thousand waiting and you time it by 20 that's that's also a good way you know to have more income and that's what something that TNA definitely needs to be uh, much more successful so I wish them I wish them, uh, I can't believe it. They started in August of 2002. Now, if somebody would have told me, Jordan, 2015, you'll still have TNA, I would have said uh, they're on something. Because in no way in a million years would I have thought TNA. I thought maybe, you know, maybe a few more shows here and there. But. Yeah. To be over a decade plus is just an amazing accomplishment. You know, we mostly talk about WWE and rightfully so, but you know, yeah. TNA is the little engine that did. TNA has heart all their matches. So with yeah. the AJ Styles of the world and um, guys like that, you know, who else did they have? Their uh, ex- Rude. Bobby Roode, Samoa Joe. Absolutely, that whole X division. And you know it was great when I brought in Christian. Christian was a big, big plus. You know, I think Kurt Angle was the biggest named active wrestler. You know, obviously Hogan was... But yeah. he, he, I think, wrestled a couple times. He teamed with Abyss. Um, but they tried, and that's all you could do. But we did yeah, also have death um, besides the Ultimate Warrior. Let's take a listen to this clip and say goodbye to another one. Fred Ricciani here for thesportscorey.com. Joined by a man that needs no introduction, but we'll introduce him anyway. King Mabel, Viscera. Big Daddy V, Nelson Frazier, One Bad Dude, all of the above. How you doing, sir? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing just fine, and obviously kicking butt in the ring for FWE, but we're also here for Bowie and we're kicking it. What brings you here today? I'm here to cast some checks and break some necks. And so uh, I already cast the check, so I'm going to be breaking the neck in uh, about an hour. 
And so it's going to be a tables match, and I'm looking forward to kicking some ass. And who is your unfortunate victim? I think he calls himself the Punisher or the Destroyer or something like that, but I'm going to show him what a real Punisher is tonight. That's Big Daddy V. And what have you been doing since WWE? You've been you were very dominant throughout your wrestling career. You know, CM Punk can definitely attest to that. What have you been up to since WWE, and how have you been holding up? I've been wrestling in Mexico. I've been wrestling a lot for All Japan Pro Wrestling. I'll be going to the Middle East uh, in April, and you know, I, I, I do a lot of international stuff. And uh, this is actually one of the few times that I've done an indie in the United States. And you know, it's cool, man, because you know. People see you on TV for so long, and then they don't see you. It's almost like you've died, you know. And so when they see you again, it's like it's like a family reunion. So, man, it's very rewarding to me. And obviously you're a busy man, so we'll get you out of here on this. I know you got a big tour coming up at All Japan Pro Wrestling. You talked about off-camera. Where can fans find you online and keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, man, you know, uh, you can hit me up on Facebook. It's under uh, my real name, Nelson Fraser Jr., uh, Hit me up, you know, I I, uh, I keep in touch with my Facebook fans. If you ask me a question, no matter how dumb it is, I'll I'll respond in some way and you know, I you know, I really like to interact with the fans and with Facebook and uh hey, just just get in touch with me and, and you'll find out that I'm I'm still very busy. Wow, JJ. Sound looks like a really nice guy and uh Way too young, only in the late 40s. Your thoughts? Yeah, it, it was very sad when we, we lost uh, Viscera, Big Daddy V. Uh, you know, Mabel, I mean, he had so many personas uh, and characters in the WWE, all very unique. He found ways to reinvent himself. You know, I grew up watching WWE, and I remember watching him as Mabel with Men on a Mission, and he was just, you know, they was just really kind of fun sort of tag team, and they would come out and, you know, just kick ass. I mean, they were really, you know, just a cool group. He, of course, won uh, the King of the Ring, which was a surprise to me, and uh, he just had a, a nice, you know, a little run. It didn't become anything more than that. He would take some time away from WWE and then come back again and reinvent himself. He reinvented himself as Viscera, and he was this sort of dark and demonic, uh, one of the Undertaker's, you know, loyal followers during the whole, you know, Ministry of Darkness when they were uh, going up against McMahon and the corporation with The Rock and Test and Ken Shamrock and, you know, all those guys then. And it, they had this huge thing going on, and he really was uh, – they found even ways to even turn that around, even though he had this kind of – I think he had these uh, contact lenses, so his eyes were kind of, like, glowing or whatever. And then they turned him into, like, this love machine where he was kind of, like, trying to sweep Lillian Garcia off her, sweet, off her you know, legs. And it was just uh, it was just kind of fun. He always found ways to be entertaining and to just kind of mix things up again. And, again, as I pointed out, he would take some time away from the WWE, and he came back a third time, reinvented himself. He was Big Daddy V, and he was just big, nasty son of a gun, and he was partnered up with Matt Stryker. Matt Stryker was sort of his manager, would talk for him, and it was just, again, a, a really cool way where he reinvented himself, had this new character. He was a part of the uh, ECW on Sci-Fi, and he just, uh, you know, he had a nice run there, uh, and unfortunately, you know, that would be the last time we would see him in the WWE, but then you listen to, uh, you know, that interview, and what a really cool 
humble and just down-to-earth guy, and he talks about, you know, interacting with his fans. And wrestling fans, I think, are some of the greatest fans in the world. They're very passionate. They love wrestling. Oftentimes, maybe they love it too much, and they get very heated. And uh, sometimes they do ask a lot of dumb questions. <laughs> but as he pointed out, he didn't care if they were dumb questions or not. He appreciated anyone who took the time to write to him, and he would get back to them. And that's something that if you're a fan, you know, you live for things like that, to just be able to interact with your favorite wrestlers and superstars, just to have that moment, whether it's a, a response on Facebook or a response on Twitter, little things like that mean a lot to fans. So it was pretty cool to hear him say that he always took the time to really give back to the fans and to interact with them. That That's uh, a really, really great guy, and he is definitely missed. Yeah, uh, I remember he was in uh, WrestleMania 10. I believe he teamed up. What was his partner's name? Mo? Yeah. Men on a Mo. Mission, right? That's right, Men on a Mission, Mabel and Mo. <laughs> yeah. What did you think of uh, uh, that combination? They were They were pretty good. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I was a kid at the time, you know, in, in the 90s, so... You know, it was for me. It was just a lot of fun. I didn't know a whole lot about wrestling. I just saw these two guys, these two big guys. They were a tag team, and it, for me, they were just a lot of fun. They would come out, and I forgot uh, who their manager was. Who would come out and sing them to the ring sometimes, and they, they were just a really, a really cool uh, team at that time in the early '90s when you know maybe one of the biggest shows on television was a show called In Living Color with, uh, you know, the Waynes and, you know, Jim Carrey got his start on there. And they kind of reminded me of that. They just had that kind of vibe. They were just, you know, cool guys. They kind they had, you know, a lot of fun, but they kicked ass too. You know, I, I enjoyed them as a kid, and I look back on it and, you know, with fond memories. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, Mabel had was in the middle of some big main events with Kevin Nash, Diesel. Uh, if you remember on one of the Summer Slams, it was Kevin Nash taking on Mabel. Yeah, like I said, you know, he was the king of the ring, and you would have hoped that uh, you know that was a, a huge opportunity to become a big single star. You know, as I mentioned, you know, he was in a tag team, met on a mission with Mo, but to become king of the ring, and you know, hopefully, he could have had a really big uh, singles career. And uh, as you pointed out, he had this uh, match with uh, Kevin Nash, which, you know, that was huge. Kevin Nash was a big deal in the 90s. He was with Shawn Michaels. He was a world champion. And, you know, he's facing, you know, Mabel. So, you know, it was a big deal for, for him to be in that uh, position. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I made a 1995 uh, SummerSlam. He took on uh, Kevin Nash. He's a... wow. Unbelievable. Uh, only uh, 47 years old when he passed. Well, that is definitely a uh, sad state of affairs. But um, let's take a little break, RVD, and uh, we'll get closer. And I'm gonna we're gonna talk about the biggest moment of the year uh, to the audience that is listening. Let's see if you could guess it if you want. Email me, Facebook message me. What do you think the biggest moment of the WWE year is? We'll be right back. 
I'll tell you, JJ, there's nothing like hearing nostalgic music like Bob Van Dam. Doesn't that bring back memories? Well, yeah, I mean, we kicked off the show listening to Perfect Strangers, and, of course, that makes me think of the franchise Shane Douglas, who used to have that uh, entrance theme in ECW, and, of course, Walk by you know, Rob Van Dam. That, I mean, just an iconic song. It just I can't help but think of, you know, RVD and his time in ECW, just an awesome song. Definitely makes me nostalgic. It makes me miss the original ECW. And do you remember uh, they also had uh, Chris Candido had that good music? Oh, yeah. I mean, Shane Douglas, Chris Candido, they had their sort of triad thing going on in ECW. I mean, those guys always put on some, you know, crazy, you know, awesome, you know, wrestling matches. I mean, Chris Candido was just a phenomenal worker. I mean, such a great talent, really underrated. Oh, like nobody, uh, like uh, Owen Hart, uh, I would have been uh, an amazing match to see Owen versus him, or possibly oh, wow. Benoit. He was so yeah. young, so he was barely thirty when he passed. Such a so so uh, sad, but uh, I think it was in T N H when he passed. Yeah, he was working for TNA. I remember uh, he wrestled his uh, final match, I think, was at Lockdown. It was a Lockdown pay-per-view, which is an all-steel cage pay-per-view. He had an injury. I don't know if he he had some some type of injury, and he had uh, surgery, and there was a complication, and it was just uh, we lost him way too soon. Just uh, what a great talent. Well, in... The uh, besides the Hall of Fame speech, there was nothing more shocking than when the Ultimate Warrior came back after 18 years, 18 years of not being on Raw. That's right, Michael Cole says it. In 1996, the Ultimate Weight Warrior uh, comes back to Monday Night Raw and says something that had people scratching their heads. Here's the clip.
still the first man to hold both the Intercontinental Champion and the WWE Championship at the same time. And again, there's your hashtag Warriors. Speak to me, Warriors! I'll tell you, you could actually hear the genuine happiness of JBL, Michael Cole, and Jerry Lawler. Uh, they were seemed to be in awe of uh, talking about the Ultimate Warrior. What was your thoughts? Well, I, 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 I
Yeah, definitely. I mean, lots of times, you know, we give Michael Cole and JBL and Jerry Lawler a hard time uh, during the announcing. But when you listen to that, I think you could really hear that they really appreciate it and were happy to see Ultimate Warrior back. I think, again, it was one of those things that, you know, we never thought we would see, you know, the Ultimate Warrior on good terms, you know, inside a WWE ring. That, that's unbelievable. I think there are lots of people, again, whether you love the guy or you hated the guy, you had to have at least respected the guy in his contributions that he made to professional wrestling and just the history he made and just the, his character, his you know larger-than-life character. And just when you hear him and you know he was uh, such a great speaker, he was such a really great motivational speaker if you ever listen to him speak, but uh, that was definitely something that, you know, when we heard him speak on Monday Night Raw, it was so great. It's been such a long time, as uh, you and, uh, pointed out in that clip, too, since we saw Warrior on a Monday Night Raw. I mean, oh, my God. And to see him come out, and, of course, he put on a, an Ultimate Warrior mask, and he got into character, and he he gave that speech, a speech that I don't think that we will ever forget and uh, it's a speech that they've even included uh, when you watch the WWE Network, and they pro- they talk about how no talent becomes a legend on their own, and how you know it's the fans who really decide you know who will be the legend, and that they really see who has the passion and intensity. And Warrior was a guy who had that passion. He had an unmatched intensity. I mean, my God, he would run down that ramp like a speeding bullet, circle the ring, you know, jump in and shake the ropes. And, you know, lots of people would joke that just on his entrance alone, he'd be blown up and out of gas because he did stuff with such intensity. He was just fierce when he was out there. He was, you know, really motivated and psyched up. It's just uh, something, it was unbelievable. Again, you know, for me, I'm a kid watching this. This guy's like Superman. He's, a, he's, he's, you know, unbelievable, something that you would only see in the movies or in uh, comic books. And here he's this real-life person running around, you know. It's, it's just, it was unbelievable. And uh, that speech, again, and it's so eerie. You know, I talked about it earlier. You know, nobody, nobody, I mean, forget wrestling, forget the Undertaker streak or Daniel Bryan winning the title, The Rock's return, Sting's debut. Nothing was more shocking and surprising than learning about the passing of the Ultimate Warrior that following Tuesday. And uh, as I said earlier, you know, we were just doing a, a show here on King Jordan Radio on a Tuesday night. And, uh, you know, the show ended, and I figured, okay, I'm going to watch, you know, I'm going to catch up on main events, because main events on the W Network. And here I get a, a, a call from our boy Jeff. And, you know, Jeff told me if I knew about the Ultimate Warrior. And, you know, I, I didn't know what he was talking about. And he told me that he passed away. And I was just shocked, man. I was completely numb. I, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, we just saw this guy. You know, if you had the network, you watched his Hall of Fame speech. If you watched him on the USA Network on, uh, you know, on Monday Night Raw, if you saw him on the pay-per-view on WrestleMania 30, uh, you know, we just saw him, and, you know, it was like we just got him back, and everyone was so happy and excited. It was, you know, we're seeing all, all the great stuff we could see with him in the future, like we see with, you know, Hogan and Flair and Hall and Nash, how they're being used 
Nashville on Monday Night Raw. Could have had the Ultimate Warrior maybe at Hogan's birthday bash. We could have had, you know, the Warrior promoting the network for nine ninety nine or promoting the new video game coming out. And we, there's so much we missed out on. And that's just, you know, stuff for fans, but stuff he did beyond that, stuff he did for charities, stuff he could have done, you know, you know, as a as an ambassador for the WWE. There's just so much he had left oh, to yeah. do. And, and it's just and it's uh, just the so way Bret Hart, you know, the way we got to see Bret Hart, you know, with in you know, a tag team and lumberjack, you know, you could have had a warrior just do a spot, just for old yeah. time's sake, maybe come out and shake the ropes. Uh, it was definitely a tragedy for me. Uh, like you said, we did the show. And I remember uh, resting and uh, getting a call from Blackjack. And uh, did you hear? I go, did you hear what? And then he said, did you hear the Ultimate Warrior? But and like so many things went through my head. Like, wait a minute, I just saw him two couple days ago, hours yeah. ago, and the man's yeah. gone. I could. It was just like totally unexpected. Hurtful, hurtful for his family, especially his yeah. two daughters, you know. But the one thing uh, that they could say is that they saw their fathers in front of thousands and thousands of people in his name, and uh, they got to see that their father, maybe not by everybody, but was definitely a loved person. Yeah. Uh, so, no questions about it. And as we wrap up the 2014 year, there were so many uh, big stories with Hogan, Bob, Brock Lesnar uh, beating Undertaker, CM Punk, the whole situation, Daniel Bryan, uh, we could go on and on. But for me, there was no bigger story than this.
but uh, it does seem that they're looking that way, and it should be a huge, huge match. Sting, Triple H, WrestleMania 31, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. Finally, the icon Sting inside a WWE Square Circle. Just unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I mean, think about uh, who this guy has uh, been in the ring with. Rick Flair, the nation himself. Uh, Hulk Hogan, he's been in the ring with. He was in the uh, WCW back in the late 80s. He's just an iconic figure. Um, I'll tell you the truth, there were times where I just, I would never see Sting. And uh, it is great. It's just a shame that Macho Man uh, is not around and maybe, uh, you know, they could have wrestled in the WWE. I would have liked to see the way they did. I know they wrestled in WCW, but it would have been interesting. On that note, uh, a very uh, successful uh, show tonight. Uh, Going over the the year in review was uh, awesome. So uh, you could uh, you could tell us um, the um, Twitter what your favorite moment was, and uh, we will talk about that next time here on the King Jordan Radio Show. And uh, let's leave you with the Macho Man Randy Savage. JJ, I want to thank you a million for joining us. It was a wonderful, wonderful show uh, that I will be listening to again. And I will be encouraging my uh, listeners to uh, listen to again because this was one heck of an A-plus-plus show. Well, thank you, King, and happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you and our great listeners. Take it easy, guys. Um, Yes, of course, Merry Christmas to our pal Stuart. And uh, have a great uh, Merry Christmas, uh, everyone. And uh, a very special Merry Christmas to you, JJ. Thank you, Kay. Good night, everybody. Here's Macho Man Randy Savage.